0: This Dharma Talk was recorded at Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. All right, welcome everyone again to Prairie Mountain Zen Center. This is our fall 2023 class on Ehe Dogen's classical, Genjo Koan, actualizing the fundamental point. Thanks always to Jodo Cliff for supporting our practice and study. Last time in our third class out of the six, we reflected on some of the poetic and poignant passages in the Genjo Koan, including that beautiful section on enlightenment and the moon. And depending on our personal karma and our dharma eye, this part of the Genjo Koan may be received in various ways. Some of us may nod along like, oh yeah, That makes sense. Others may be puzzled by the metaphoric language, or we might be confused about its connection to practice. Um, And still, others, you might react against Dogen's descriptions. It's always, um, there's always kind of an organic relationship that we have, especially when we're reading texts that are so old um, and remote from us in culture. But always, Dogen is pushing practitioners towards a deeper practice, deeper, more committed, and not simply trying to be poetic or philosophically obscure and impenetrable. So I thought I would put the passage up here just one more time and read through it. It's quite lovely. This is the version from San Francisco Zen Center, and I've got it highlighted up there. Enlightenment is like the moon reflected in the water. The moon does not get wet, nor is the water broken. Although its light is wide and great, the moon is reflected even in a puddle an inch wide. The whole moon and the entire sky are reflected in dew drops on the grass or even in one drop of water. Enlightenment does not divide you. Just as the moon does not break the water. You cannot hinder enlightenment, just as the drop of water does not hinder the moon in the sky. The depth of the drop is the height of the moon. Each reflection, however long or short its duration, manifests the vastness of the dewdrop and realizes the limitlessness of the moonlight in the sky. This passage reflects a lot on the relationship between what is great and what is small. And depending on our perspective, this could be comforting or disturbing. Ultimately, Dogen is encouraging our small, limited self to open into the vast, spacious awareness of the absolute self, yet also to understand that each being, as he says, however long or short its duration, manifests this vastness and realizes this limitlessness. Although we may not always feel it from within our limited or habituated consciousness, which manifests through our small and separate feeling self. So again, depending on our karma, our dharma eye at this moment, studying Dogen in this way can be profound and illuminating It can also feel frustrating and impossible to grasp. Always, when we're in this limited self, we are using language as a tool in the world and also as a sort of uh, device by which we interpret the world. And it's complex. And we often get wrapped up in our efforts to understand. I know an old friend, Dharma friend, who used to take Dogen. Into her tent, and when she went backpacking in the wild, and you know, she would lie there with her headlamp on her sleeping bag, trying to figure out Dogen's passages like this one. And yet somehow, although we always engage with the meaning, our awakening is not really about meaning, but about opening into an intimacy, the study of the self. As Dogen says, learn the backward step. So this also includes our frustrations over meaning and language and interpretation. They are also a part of our spiritual practice. They are also holistically uh, a part of this whole journey. And yet, of course, we're thrust into multiple languages across millennia, certainly all the way back to the 1200s with Dogen, across these radically different cultures. And from philosophically intricate East India of the Buddha's time, as we see in the Pali Canon Sutras, to the imagistic and poetically subtle rich Taoist culture in the calligraphic language, the Tang Dynasty China, where purportedly Bodhidharma is our first ancestor. And then across the sea to Dogen's intricate use of Chinese inflected. Japanese kanji, and now across the ocean into the modern West, our Roman alphabet in American English. So while we absorb the basic teachings and practice zazen, and we kind of orient ourselves to Dogen's version of soto zen, we may also find ourselves getting stuck, thinking about analyzing the path to our awakening, and that's why tonight's title is "When We Seek, We Are Far Away," because there can be this sense that our awakening is out there, remote and distant. Shinshu Roberts, who wrote that book *Being Time*, I held it up last time, writes about this trouble that she, that she sees us giving to ourselves. She says, "This is the spiritual journey, right?" we're crossing rivers, we're climbing mountains, we're doing all these kinds of activities, and we imagine they are the journey from our delusion to our realization. And Dogen says, then we tend to think, oh, I've left that behind, those delusions. And so she says, we make up our imaginary progress. We talk ourselves into it. And we say, well, in the past, I was deluded and right now i'm somewhere on the imaginary continu- continuum of practice leading to enlightenment concurrent with this kind of thinking is the notion that once we're enlightened we can't go back to delusion or that delusion is somewhere back in the distant past as Dogen states in uji which is the subject of shinshu roberts's being time book dogan writes you imagine you've left it Behind And at the present, you reside in the Vermilion Palace. The Vermilion Palace is Dogen's description of how we get caught in sequential, continuous time, especially thinking about the spiritual path. But she goes on to say, do not only apply this teaching to spiritual practice, because clinging to this way of thinking is always a problem, regardless of the situation. So this is a good reminder that Shinshu delivers in this nice passage about a third of the way through her book. And um, no, actually, I stole that one out of an essay that she wrote, which became part of the book. So it's even more removed. But I think she she gives us good advice here uh, because the tendency, as she says, is, is that the, because we live in the everyday world and we think, OK, what do I got to do tomorrow? Is it in my iPhone calendar? So we're thinking already in this sequential way, and because it's practical, right? And it, it it helps us get things done. And when it's not in the iPhone calendar, maybe we forget about it and miss it. Um, so again, Dogen and Shinshu aren't saying throw out the continuum, don't think sequentially. Of course, we have to do that because we are. In this world, we have to function, we have to make plans, arrange times to meet other people. But rather, there's this encouragement to keep coming back to our Zazen mind, to that Shikantaza where we sit and everything arises. We may grip onto it briefly, but then we let it go. And as we let it go, maybe it pops back in the next moment. Maybe we pop onto another thought or emotion. But gradually, gradually, we settle into that equanimity where we let go of the sequential, let go of the continuum. And this is why our practice is so wonderfully embodied, right? Because when we talk about it, when we think about it, 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 we can't really get there. But as we let go and settle and allow our bodies to be grounded like our sacrum on the earth, uh, there is a a wonderful spaciousness and relaxation that can manifest. And so Dogen's language in the passage, highlighted passage, is beautifully poetic. And Shinshu is trying to point to how when we hear that language about the moonlight in the water, it's difficult to resist yearning to be like this moonlight in the midnight pond just completely settled and calm, luminous. And so our own experience of life in this relative self can be one of grasping for that illuminated moment. So there's really kind of this irony that gets set up or a tension in our practice where, of course, if we didn't have some desire to awaken or to let go of our suffering, we probably wouldn't start on the practice path and maybe even not commit to it and go go forward in it. So I think there's also a couple of things that happen at the same time, right? That there's always, we are in this limited self and we set right intention and we make right effort. Um, and so there is a sense of, I am going into the practice and yet, There's also that Zazen mind, uh, body, heart, mind that we cultivate again and again that is not so much about grasping and that is profoundly settled. So allowing these things to sort of coexist is such an important part of our practice journey. Following his poetic passage, Dogen reflects on how practitioners often fall back into difficult in how we perceive the practice. He states, when dharma does not fill your whole body and mind, you think it is already sufficient. When dharma fills your body and mind, you realize that something is missing. This is to say that we understand we must practice. Our right effort is necessary. And that our practice enlightenment, while never on a continuum, always manifests here and now. This present moment, including the moment we realize we are deluded or ignorant, and then return to practice. As always, in this world of samsara, our limited self encounters other limited selves. We have reactivity and we find, oh, that wasn't particularly right action or right speech. And yet, there we are, realizing it in the next moment, and we're back in our practice. And their compassion. Arises along with the wisdom to return. As Dogen states earlier in Genjo Koan, those who have great realization of delusion are Buddhas. Those who are greatly deluded about realization are sentient beings. So, intimacy in practice is intimacy with delusion, which is also delusion, ignorance, our pain about when we fall into it and blunder in our relations even agony over it, like, wow, I really hurt that person. Um, And also there is intimacy with our aversion, like, oh, I don't want to be like that, or I don't want to be involved in that thing or with that person. And also intimacy with our desire. I really want this thing. I crave that. I'm going towards this thing. So again and again, we practice with our limited self. In these ways, including its seemingly infinite sufferings, in this way, delusion, attraction, aversion, and of course the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Dogen states, "Here is the place; here the way unfolds." To describe the intricacies and the vastness of our practice, the back and forth between limited and absolute view, Dogen uses the ocean. As a metaphor, he states when you sail out in a boat to the midst of an ocean where no land is in sight and view the four directions, the ocean looks circular and does not look any other way. But the ocean is neither round nor square, its features are infinite in variety. It is like a palace, it is like a jewel. It only looks circular as far as you can see at that time. All things are like this. Though there are many features in the dusty world and the world beyond conditions, you see and understand only what your eye of practice can reach. So we, the practitioner, sail the boat of our practice into the vast ocean of time being or being time, this very human life. And it may appear circular at the moment you look, but Dogen asserts its features are infinite in variety. Where earlier he had us looking at one drop of dew, now he sets us to examine something impossibly vast, and yet claims it's even vaster, infinite in fact, and asserts that all things are like this. So whether we are humbled by gazing at the supposedly circular ocean or by looking closely at a dewdrop in the grass. Dogen investigates, directs us to investigate with our eye of practice and demonstrates our vision, our way of understanding reality, within and without, will always be an expression of our practice. And in many ways, this is encouraging, right? Because we'll always have those moments where our vision is small, right? And this, he gets to this later on when he talks about the bird and the fish. But, you know, we're always going back and forth between having sort of this cosmic sense of oneness, the circularity of the whole, and feeling ourselves intimate with it, and sort of the small vision um, that may feel particularly limiting and disconnected. So Dogen encourages us to be intimate with all those dharma positions. So to help us understand and realize this vastness, Dogen pushes practitioners further, emphasizing how we study and learn. He writes, in order to learn the nature of the myriad things, you must know that although they may look round or square, the other features of oceans and mountains are infinite in variety whole worlds are there. It is not so only around you, but also directly beneath your feet or in a drop of water. Dogen not only emphasizes how practice helps us learn the intimate nature of things, sorry, the infinite nature of things with which we share this moment, he even sounds a little like Walt Whitman in his expansive poem, Song of Myself. Whitman Mike Dogan speaks directly to the reader, you will hardly know who I am or what I mean, but I shall be good health to you, nevertheless, and filter and fiber your blood. I depart as air, I shake my white locks at the runaway sun, I effuse my flesh in eddies and drift it in lacy jags. I bequeath myself to the dirt to grow from the grass I love. If you want me again, look for me under your boot soles. So this self that Whitman writes about is expansive, right? This is partly why he's such a, a wonderful American writer. And we see his voice in this poem be intimate with earth, air, and water, and infinite, as in Dogan's own encouragement towards our own being, our own enlightenment. As mentioned in his next analogy, Dogen focuses on the fish that swims in the ocean, the bird that flies in the air, encouraging us as practitioners to see our solitude, our solitary nature, like a fish, like a bird, in this sort of expansive, even infinite medium. And so to identify with these creatures and to understand each of us are elements alive in this being time and that we fully experience our realm, our existence, our life. Dogen writes, when their activity is large, their field is large. When their need is small, their field is small. Thus, each of them totally covers its full range, and each of them totally experiences its realm. Years ago, I had a really wonderful counselor, practitioner, person, and always he had uh, the practitioner person uh, sit meditation briefly at the beginning and end of the session. And, you know, I was feeling particularly constricted at a particular moment in my life. And he gave me this reflection, which was to say, you know, you inhabit an enormous mountain valley in which there are springs and waters and bears and eagles and, and really an infinite World. And there may be other beings, uh, people, because I was kind of obsessing about a relationship that I had lost, but they are on the other side in another mountain valley in their own enormous world, and you do not have to worry that you are lacking. And this became my meditation, you know, like he was working with me like a Zen teacher. Like just meditate on the vastness of your realm. And this is really what Adogen is pushing us to. So while at times like that, we may feel small, sort of constricted or separated from something that we think is out there uh, that we cannot reach, and so be frustrated with our limited self, the mistakes it makes, the wounds it suffers and creates. But ultimately, Dogen, like this uh, counselor practitioner I met, helps us see the infinite nature of our mortal being. How it manifests its full nature, full range, and experiences this interpenetrating being time with all other elements. And I think, you know, there can be a sense to which our, our mind might get frustrated and say, well, you know, am I really being intimate with the dark matter that I studied on last night's podcast and physics? Or, And we don't really need to worry about that right? That, that we sit and we partake of that even when we're unaware of it. And this is part of our great gift as, as mortal beings, but also as humans can be upright and take the one seat in our practice and fully settle into that and allow ourselves to open into that interbeing, as Thich Nhat Hanh will call it, right? This interdependence with all beings. So to practice the Buddha way completely means we become intimate with our mortal self, the body, heart, mind, in its imperfections, but also in its inner being with these other elements. And this takes us back to the opening point in the Genjo Koan, where he writes, as all things are Buddha Dharma, there are sentient beings and Buddhas. There is delusion and realization, practice, birth, and death. So like the fish, like the solitary bird, our mortal limited self totally experiences its full realm. Dogen goes on to assert and instruct, know that water is life and air is life. The bird is life and the fish is life. Life must be the bird and life must be the fish. While this passage may seem reductive or simplistic, Dogen shows the expansiveness of all mortal beings, even in their separate solitude, as well as their intimate boundless connection with all other elements. He concludes this section by stating, practice, enlightenment, and people are also like this. Typically, our idea of enlightenment seems more grand than being a fish Or being a bird. Yet once again, we get lost in ideas or in analysis or thinking or a feeling that we are not where we yearn to be somehow along the continuum. And this is why in Zazen, again, we let go completely, returning to this moment, this sensation, this feeling, this thought, this letting go fully body, heart, mind, direct contact with our ideas, emotions brings us back to intimacy and to practice. Intimacy is the way, although it may be different from how we suppose or imagine it to be. But again, those are our thoughts and our desires getting in between and distancing our mindful awareness from this moment. But when we let go into present moment, only moment, we fully engage, serving the world, being upright, practicing on the precepts, and doing what needs to be done. Thank you. You've been listening to A Dharma Talk from Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. To learn more about us or to make a donation, visit us at prairiemountain.org.